0: Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Swing and a drive.
1: Right field and deep. That goes Aquino. It's got a chance. Gone. Get out the tape
0: measure. Long gone. Fly the W. Cubs fans, it's time to Fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley-Jean.
1: You are listening to the Fly the W 670 podcast. It's season two. It's episode 36, Cubs massacred in Minnesota. Don't forget to listen, download, review. Most importantly, subscribe to our podcast and follow us on the socials. Fly the W 670 on Twitter, Instagram. Fly the W on Facebook, of course. You can email us. Fly the W670 at gmail.com. Crowley, how are you on this Monday afternoon?
2: Well, it's Monday and the Cubs got demolished, so I'm not doing so great.
1: Yeah, you and I said uh, two of three. I think we both predicted, and uh, I think I might have even said, don't be surprised if the uh, Cubs were able to sweep this thing. Let's get into uh, game one, and that was on Friday night. And it was an Apple TV uh, Plus broadcast, Drew Smiley versus Sonny Gray.
2: Yeah, the Cubs are going to take this one 6-2. I was listening to the Mullion and Haw show this morning, and I was listening to you guys talk about that. And um, anyone that listened to that great interview we had with Michael Cerami from Bleacher Nation um, on our last podcast, that's what you're getting when you get that Apple podcast, the clear picture, the, the 10, 1080 picture. I mean, that's what Marquee does not have yet. So, you know, if you were looking on your phone, and and the cool thing is you, get to, you can listen to Pat and Ron on that as well but the picture is just so dynamic if you have a 4K TV. So it was a fun game to watch, a great pitching duel between uh, Gray and Smiley. Uh, Sonny Gray looks fantastic. I don't know what he dipped into Fountain of Youth or what, but he went (laughs) 5.1
1: innings.
2: (laughs) He gave up four hits, one run, one walk, and nine click Ks. At one time, he struck out six Cubs hitters in a row. Now, to me, Drew Smiley looked just as good. He went six innings. He gave up four hits on two runs, one walk, and four Ks. And although Smiley was charged with those two runs, it was sloppy defense that allowed those runs to score. You had uh, Kyle Farmer singled to lead off the second, but that was a ball in Morrell's glove that he dropped. And they originally called that an error before the score changed it to a single. I don't know why they did that. Hometown um, score,
1: Crowley. That's why. Uh, I don't know about that.
2: Willie, <laughs> Willie Castro was going to hit a ground rule double that put runner at second and thirds with one out. And then Michael Taylor reached on a fielder's choice when he hit one to Wisdom with the infield in, and the throw was wide, and Jan Gomes couldn't catch it. So that allowed Castro to score. So that easily should have been three outs right there. You know what I mean?
1: Absolutely right. Yep. Defense was not as good as you would hope.
2: No. And Alzelay continues to me to look like the best option out of the pen. He threw two scoreless, and then Mark Leiter finished it up. So as of right now, those are the two guys I trust in the eighth and ninth inning, and, and, and nobody else makes the list.
1: Yeah, there is some doubt right now in that bullpen, and we'll see uh, how they adjust it as they uh, get down to Houston. We'll get into that in a little bit because the uh, bullpen definitely used quite a bit in games two and games three. But let's talk a little bit more about the uh, where the Cubs got their offense from in this win on Friday night.
2: Yeah, Gray had them uh, absolutely struggling. You know, they they actually one positive moment, Dustin, that we talk about runners in scoring position in the fourth, Dansby Swanson led off with a walk, and Ian Happ doubled to put runners at second and third with no outs. Now, Cody Bellinger grounds out to the pitchers, and runners do not advance, but say Suzuki hit a sack fly to pull the Cubs within 2-1. To me, I thought that was like a big at-bat with runners in scoring position because, you know, the Cubs have been struggling so badly in that, and to see him actually get a run out of that, I thought was a big deal. You know, you wish you would have gotten both runs in, but just getting one to me is just a step in the right direction.
1: Step in the right direction. I mean, Say is still batting fourth or fifth, depending on the day, and he's getting guys on base in front of him, so it was about time that he actually put a ball in play that actually did something, which in that case it did, and every run mattered.
2: Right, and the Cubs fought back in the seventh inning with one out. Wisdom singled and Matt Mervis, who had been going through some growing pains. He doubled to tie the game at two. Trey Mancini and Gomes hit back-to-back single. Mervis scores, and the Cubs took a 3-2 lead. But then Chris Murrell adds some insurance runs with an unbelievable two-run home run that landed in the second deck of target field, 429 feet. Uh, the Cubs would add one more for a 6-2 lead. So you're thinking to yourself, okay, some runners are scoring positions, some some Murrell magic, and things are looking good, and now you got the series opener, and you only need one more to get the... Uh, Get the series win, but uh, not to be.
1: Yeah, I was feeling really great after that. And part of it was I uh, enjoyed the company I was with watching the game, enjoyed the picture. The picture was, as you mentioned, just just outstanding. So um, if you've got the means and the ability, I highly recommend catching a game because it really, really delivered. All right, game two, Saturday afternoon. A little bit of a rain delay in that one. Hayden Wisniewski, Joe Ryan, the matchup.
2: This is the one that scared me because I just thought the Cubs didn't match up against Ryan. Uh, Cubs lost this one 11 to one. It was a disaster. We're hoping we're hoping that Hayden would continue to progress. And unfortunately, he took a major step back in this one. He went five innings pitch, give up seven hits, seven runs, one walk, five case and four home runs.
1: That's it the problem done. right there. The four long balls, Crowley. That's what really hurts.
2: Yeah, it hurt, especially because there was runners on base with those two. So Wasniski gave a three-run homer, a two-run homer, and two solo home runs. So, you know, it, it's there's issues here. And, and Brad Boxberger also struggled going two-thirds of an inning, giving up three runs on three hits and two walks. Now, you and I had talked in the last episode about Hayden going back when Hendricks is healthy. According to our friends over at Bleacher Nation, lefties are now hitting a whopping 325, 366, 662 against him with a 44% hard contact rate. So I don't have any problem sending him down to the minor leagues. It's not like some major punishment that's happened to everybody, including Greg Maddox in the past. But he has to have some some other pitch against lefties. You know, whether 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 it's a changeup, whether it's a more consistent cutter, whatever it is. It has, it has to be a change that happens. And so, you know, Hendricks, we'll talk a little bit more about him later, but he's looking better and better. And and, and I think that Hayden would do well in a less high leverage situation, working on some of those pitches against lefties. Um, the other well, big, big part of it
1: too, Crawley seems to me that it's location. He seems to be high instead of low. When he's missing, he's missing high. And I think the hitters are taking advantage of that.
2: Right. What, what you're seeing too is a lot of uncompetitive pitches. So it's like the pitch, you know, usually it's hard because pitchers only or hitters only have like a split second to make a decision sometimes, but like some of these pitches by Hayden, their balls, the moment he leaves his hand, they don't even have to worry about it and they get into favorable counts. And now they're sitting on something to to hit. But, but when you look at, when you look at lefties hitting 662 slug against him, that's, that's a problem.
1: Right. As bad as uh, Hayden Wisniewski was, Crowley, the Cubs offense, also
2: with a miserable afternoon. Yeah. It's, you know, a box with a miserable afternoon, uh, the offense. I mean, they went one for 12 leaving runners in scoring position. Again, they struck out 14 times. They scored one run on six hits. The only Cubs with multiple hits was Tucker Barnhart who went two for three and say Suzuki had a double Our good friend, Eric Hosmer back in the lineup in the DH spot. I, I'm I'm you know Dustin this reminds me I don't know if anyone you know maybe some of the older listeners we got on here remembers when Dusty Baker who the Cubs are gonna be facing in Houston back in like 2005 and 2006 he had a love affair with Nafi Perez and would constantly constantly like put him in the lineup regardless of how bad he did this is just getting irritating I'm just you know if if he can't figure out when to put him in the right spots then just dfam i don't care at this point i don't care if it's bad for business i don't care what they promised him he's getting his money that's what his promise is you got you get your paycheck and, now and, and he gets it
1: no matter he gets the paycheck no matter what it, it's it's also like that he's DHing, right like if maybe if you you could sell me on his defense maybe maybe but when you're DHing him he obviously isn't providing any defense so, you know, let Matt Mervis D.H. and let Hosmer play first base. You're going to have him in there.
2: Either way, he goes 0 for 3. He gets ejected arguing balls and strikes, and then his best friend David Ross joined him in the eighth. So they got to maybe talk about what a great teammate he was <laughs> for the <laughs> remainder of the game.
1: Got some chicken wings and a beer, huh? Right. All right, game three, Mother's Day. Marcus Stroman on the mound.
2: Yeah, so this is the one, I think, that threw me off more than anything. I thought game one was a toss-up. I thought game two, the Cubs were not didn't have good odds on that one. And then game three, I figured, you know, Stroman's been doing so well. And Louis Verland, you know, nothing big. But Marcus had his worst start of the season going 2.2 innings, giving up seven hits, six runs, two walks, and 3K, and one home run. The bullpen was just as bad, Dustin. Uh, Rucker gave up two runs. Merriweather gave up one run. Fulmer gave up three runs. And then your favorite— Miles Buani as a position player pitching, decided to give up four runs, and it was just an absolute embarrassment. That the really o- shouldn't
1: count against the bullpen, by the way, the Miles master No, I'm, I'm not <laughs> counting that. I'm not counting that, but there,
2: there's other issues that go along with that as well. Um, the offense did nothing. They scored three runs on six hit. Morell hit another monster home run, and Suzuki hit one as well. Magical had an RBI, and Matt Mervis had two hits. All three of Morell's home runs since he's been called up have been over 400 feet. These have been no doubters. But the Twins put up 27 runs in two days on Saturday and Sunday, and they scored 29 runs against the Cubs at Target Field, and that's had a record for a three-game series. The ballpark's been open for 13 years. Yeah, but well, you know, eight home runs,
1: right? Eight home runs combined between Saturday and Sunday as well?
2: Just awful. But here's the thing, Dustin, that I'm looking at, and that has me nervous here, is – you know, you said Master Buoni doesn't count, you know, and I, I get that. But you have now three pitchers in the pen with ERAs over five. You have Boxberger with 552, Merriweather with 614, and Fulmer with 675. And when you're talking about those guys, those guys were supposed to be the back end of your bull, your bullpen right now. And they're getting absolutely crushed.
1: And they're all disappointing, but does one stick out more than the others? I, for me, Crowley, it's Boxberger. I definitely expected bigger things from him.
2: So, so to me, when you looked at it, I thought that Boxberger was going to be the one that you could most count on, that you least had to worry about. I didn't think he was going to be the best pitcher. I think, like, Meriwether and Fulmer had higher ceilings. But, like, all these guys right now are on the floor. They're, they're the, having the worst possible outcomes that you could imagine. You know, Meriwether is a guy that they were – like, it was like a reclamation project. The guy throws heat, struggles with location, no different than what we're seeing now. Fulmer was a guy that I expected more from, but – you know, Boxberger, I thought, was going to be steady and no worries about it. You know, I don't know how much longer they can keep doing this. I've, I've I've talked since before the season started about guys that I like in Iowa, you know, and I'm sure when they're ready, those guys have control issues of their own. Um, like I said, that's just part of the frustration I had when they didn't give Jeremiah Estrada a chance to, to at least show something. You know, I've seen what these guys can do, and I'm not impressed. Let's try somebody that can do something. so uh, this bullpen has got to get straightened out in a hurry.
1: Absolutely. cast to get straightened out in a hurry and it can't come soon enough as the uh, Cubs, they leave Minnesota and they are now headed down to Houston. They're in Houston right now. You are listening to the Fly the W 670 podcast. It's episode 36 of season number two. We're calling this one Cubs massacred up in Minnesota. Don't forget to listen down the review and most importantly, subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. In this segment, Crawley interviews Rich Beasterfield to talk about the Cubs rehabbing out in Arizona.
2: Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast. You've seen him on here before, Rich Biesterfeld of uh, Northside Bound, a famous photographer out in Arizona. Rich, how you doing out in the desert? What's the weather like there out of curiosity?
0: Oh, it's we're, we're starting to heat up now. It's I think it's supposed to be like 102 today. So it's getting to the point where it's like, okay,
2: time to stay in and uh, <laughs> avoid oh, the heat. Oh, man. Well, we we're kind of, we're, we're floundering between 50 and 70 here. So we're, 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 we're looking to get something, but uh, mm-hmm. so, so, so far we haven't gotten there. Uh, Rich, the reason I wanted to have you on, obviously I love talking to you, but what ends up happening. I think sometimes people don't realize that the complex in Mesa is not just for spring training, but it is really, truly used year round. And mm-hmm. there's, you know, Obviously, you're you know you come by the club four hundred tent spring training and the and the party and the and the carnivals all happening It's like a big old Mardi Gras and then poof the circus leaves town, but but there's still action going on down there, right? hmm
0: Oh yeah, we we do miss the circus though. Let me let me tell you that we do miss the circus all the time.
2: All the time. Oh, oh, how can you not? And you know, one of the things, especially when you're talking about Arizona and and the reason that complex is so important. Is because that's where a lot of the Cubs players go that are recovering from injury, and so as they're recovering before they get sent to a minor league assignment, uh, they're out in Arizona. Probably one of the best examples of that would be Kyle Hendricks, who is you know people are thinking maybe the the Phillies series, maybe the Mets series, but he's knocking on the door. But he stayed after once everybody left and was working on things. What do you see when you're around there? There's a lot of, uh, is there a lot of like, say, like trainers? They got a lot of coaches. Everything's all around there, kind of working through a program.
0: Yeah, it's 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 a little like Christmas morning. I can joke about it when you when you go out to the park at any any time early during the year because you you kind of don't know exactly what you're going to see, who might be there. Um, Because I just had that the other day, even uh, one of the guys from the minor leagues, Jake Rindle. um, I saw had been put on the IL for Tennessee. But then all of a sudden jake's in camp uh working out just because of the facilities and things so um you know sometimes you see guys sometimes you'll see i'll see on twitter that a certain player is around um but but i don't see it um for instance like you mentioned like kyle hendricks kyle was around i think he was around the complex pretty much since he went on the il last year but it really wasn't until spring that i saw him like out on the field or anything but you know, they've got uh, top-notch facilities out there as far as, you know, the weight rooms, the all the all the equipment and everything just to help them recover and strengthen and get better. So um, it's not unusual not to see guys, but, but like I say, a lot of times you do see the guys out working out in their different groups.
2: Well, that's the thing. You know, there are certain guys that, you know, you sit there and you're like, oh, what happened to that guy? And one of the first guests we ever had on Fly the W – was Tyler Schlafer, and this is if, if I'm, I'm showing some pictures from Rich up here, and you can find that beast on Twitter at Beast22. But Tyler Schlafer, uh, he was with the uh, Myrtle Beach Pelicans last year. Did he ever get promoted up to South Bend?
0: Um, I can't, I can't recall for certain. I think he might have been been in South Bend for a little bit.
2: Yeah, like um, like, like a, and then all of a sudden he he had an injury. What ended up happening to him?
0: um you know that it's it's interesting with the minor leagues you don't always hear what the injury is and I can understand that you know with respect to privacy laws and all that but uh, I was talking to Tyler this spring and I finally did ask him you know hey what happened and uh Tyler did have to have Tommy John surgery um he Mm. did confirm that to me and but um he is back he's he's started like light throwing now so um I think he and like uh Shane Marshall who was a draft pick last year I think they're throwing buddies and they seem to be on a kind of a similar timetable as well. So I'm not sure if they'll be back late this year or, um, or if it might be like just instructs or something like that, but I know they are both throwing now.
2: Another guy that kind of tend to make some news here was Ethan Roberts. And everyone remembers that great story. I think he was in sprint training and David Ross tells him that he makes the, that he made the team and he kind of, Broke down, and then here's another guy that all of a sudden you know he's he's pitching in the majors, and the velocity all of a sudden dips, and that was another Tommy John, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, Ethan had to have Tommy die. Actually, I've been uh, fortunate; I've gotten to know Ethan fairly well uh, over the last couple of years. And um, uh, you mentioned when he got told he made the big league club. That is one of my favorite memories. I happened to be in the camera wall that day and got some pictures of him um, getting that news. So I uh, think Ethan will always be one of my favorite players um just having had the chance to witness that but uh but yeah ethan had tommy john i believe it was in july of last year um so he's throwing now um when i talked to him a couple weeks ago i think he's up to like 92 or 93 and he had topped out at 97 last year so would not surprise me in the least if he comes back throwing harder than he did which is kind of common with a lot of the guys having tommy john um when they did his surgery i think they put in some things um, to actually strengthen the ligament and everything around like a brace i believe he calls it um but uh he's gonna he's he's not thrown off a mound yet but um i know he's getting ready for his next step in his program because he he had last week off and got to go home and spend some time with his family
2: That's awesome. And and like you said, you know, it's weird because it's almost it's strange to see a pitcher not have Tommy John surgery. And like you said, a lot of these guys come back throwing harder than ever. And, And that's that's, you know, to me, it's interesting because they're talking about the new pitch clock rules and they're very much tracking injuries to see because, you know, these guys that are throwing hard, you know, it used to be okay. You throw a pitch 100 miles per hour, take a few seconds, let the arm relax a little bit, and then you don't have that anymore. So, you know, is it going to be one of those situations where guys are going to have to kind of try to throw a little less hard and, 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 and be more pitchers than throwers? You know, just kind of something that uh, just to keep an eye on. But But good to hear that both Tyler, you know, and Ethan coming back. Now, one one story that, you know, all of us in Chicago that, that watched that Jackie uh, Robinson West team make that amazing run was uh, Ed Howard, the Cubs draft pick. And I was at South Bend and I talked to him and this was opening weekend last year in 2022 and everything looked good. And then the next thing you know, freak injury running down the base and, and, and tore like his hip or something, you know. Absolutely horrendous. And you just mm-hmm. know, like on that type of injury, that's just going to take, like, it, it just looks like mm-hmm. one of those injuries that's going to take forever to heal.
0: Sure. Yeah. He's been, he's been playing now. Um, I know I saw him like earlier in spring training, um, taking VP, taking ground balls and you can kind of see a progression. Cause when I first saw him, it was all these things he was doing by himself, you know, or what I should say by him, with a coach, but not with other players and then you kind of saw him start being integrated into like the other guys where he's taking ground balls in the groups and, and taking BP in the group sessions and stuff and then um finally got to see him in some extended spring training games I saw him play last couple weeks um he's looked he's looked really good on defense um I think still working on some of his timing hitting wise um I'm not sure if he's running full tilt yet I would say that just and which I think is a very normal Um, something like that. I think that would be probably one of those concerns of just, you know, the the psychological aspect of coming when you're coming back from an injury, just feeling comfortable enough to say, I'm just going to go and do, you know, it's, it's, I would think it's always going to be in the back of your mind, kind of that nagging of what if I go full tilt and, you know, something happens again. But I say so far, he's looked, he's looked good. He's looked very smooth in the field. Um, like he always did even before the injury.
2: And I think one of the things that you mentioned is, is that for the hitters, like Edward Howard has always, like I said, from Jackie Robinson, West Little League, been a phenomenal fielder, but with hitting there, there's a big timing component. That's a big part of it.
0: Yeah. And when you haven't hit for a year, it's going to, it's going to be normal to take a little time to adjust.
2: Now, one guy that had an injury that kind of scared everybody who go, you know, you want to talk about full tilt. How about Cole (laughs) Rotor? Does he not ever go full tilt? I, I think that's,
0: full speed ahead is is the only speed that that Cole really knows so um yeah I guess he uh my understanding is while playing in Tennessee I didn't get I didn't see the play but he ran into the wall broke his collarbone so after breaking his collarbone he came out to Arizona has been working on, on his rehab and stuff um I've seen him taking uh taking batting practice him throwing um last week it was like Thursday I saw him taking some live VP and actually spoke to him over the weekend and he's hoping Later this week to be actually playing in some extended spring training games, and then it'll kind of be up to the club of you know when they feel he's ready to to go back and hopefully head back out to uh, Tennessee.
2: I mean, it, I don't know. Maybe we're just old, Rich, but it just seems like the recovery time. Like I, I think broken collarbone, I thought I'd be I'd be out forever. <laughs> you know, like like <laughs> I'm the same way. I'm the same way. Like I'd be yeah. out like a good year, and this guy all of a sudden this kid's already coming back. Now, there is one name Now we, we saw recently Miguel Amaya up at Wrigley Field, which was a lot of fun. I mean, obviously, Rich, you know his history, and it just – you know, injury bug just always kind of just seemed to bite him and, and just could not stay healthy. And then all of a sudden he comes up in Chicago, and everyone's like, oh, my God, this kid's really, really good. You forget, you know, he was one of the top prospects in the Cubs system. Another guy that just cannot seem to shake the injury bug is Braylon Marquez. Mm-hmm. And uh, in this picture right here, he's wearing Jorge. Is that Jorge Soler's old number, 68? <laughs> it might be. <laughs> and, and so when you take a look at, at, at Braylon Marquez, mm-hmm. just another guy where you're just like, you know, people forget how really good he is. And I remember I was talking to Tommy Birch about mm-hmm. guys in the AAA. Like, you know, I'm like, hey, Tommy, who are you going to be looking out for? And he's like, don't forget Braylon Marquez. I'm like, oh, I did. <laughs> so, but but, it's, but it, it truly is. You take a look at this guy and you're like, man. If Marquez could just stay healthy, what what what, what is he doing down down in, in Arizona?
0: Yeah, I have seen him throwing bullpens right now. I haven't seen him throwing wide uh, batting practice or anything yet, but he's throwing bullpens. Um, so my understanding, I think the the live VP would be that next step. So because um, usually what I had been seeing for him with him for a long time was just plain catch, basically in flat ground. And so usually that, that bullpen is, is a pretty major step for the pitchers who are rehabbing. Uh, in fact, usually when you can tell when a guy's doing their first bullpen session, because all the other guys, all the other pitchers in the rehab group are out there watching to kind of win that uh, emotional and physical support of being there. So but he's been doing that for a while now. So hopefully hopefully maybe a wide VP might be coming soon. But that's, that's speculation. That's not based on anything that I know.
2: And and again, when he's healthy, he's got he's got some sick stuff out there. Just getting him healthy. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, um, you know the Cubs. I talked about Miguel Amaya, and, and and it seems to me like catching depth. It looked like for a while was was an issue with the Cubs minor mm-hmm. league system. And now you're taking a look. Whether you're talking about Amaya or Don Nunez, or you're talking about I just had a picture up of Bryce Wyndham or uh, Pablo Aliendo. It just seems like Moises Ballesteros, all of a sudden, now it seems like that's kind of a, starting to become a deep position. Tell me about Bryce and what's going on with Bryce. Sure,
0: sure. Um, and it's funny that you said, that was one of my, I think somebody had asked that question about, you know, what's your, your kind of off-the-wall prediction before the season started? And, and mine was that by the end of the year, people would look at the catching uh, situation across the Cubs system as a strength rather than people looked at it previously as a weakness um but yeah uh bryce my understanding is actually like broke his thumb in a game not catching i think it was like on a slide and um so he's been uh, hung up for for a few weeks but um another one i talked to last week uh they had just cleared him that he could catch because before that i saw him he was playing catch but uh tim sussner or one of the other catchers would have to catch the ball toss it to him then he could throw so he's keeping it trying to keep his arm in shape throwing but they didn't want him to catch to, you know, aggravate the damage. So um, he was supposed to be doing some live BPs, I believe, this week. They're catching some live BPs, I should say, this weekend, and hopefully he might be seeing some game action later this week as well.
2: So, so the injury to the thumb was on his catching hand.
0: I believe so. Yeah, yeah. Because um, like I said, he was wearing. I can't remember now. Uh, I have to go back and look at some of my photos. If he was wearing the, the wearing his mitt, or if he was just, you know you know, the other hand barehanded so he wouldn't be tempted to forget, but he was able to throw, you know, without any problems. So I, I believe it was the catching hand.
2: Now I will tell you, Rich, you know, mm-hmm. this is why you got to follow at Beast22, because every now and then he'll throw a scoop out there that nobody sees. I believe you were one of the first people to get photos of Alex Canario uh, taking <laughs> some BP out on, on the backfields and stuff like that. This is a guy that I think that the Matt Mervis hype kind of overshadowed a little bit of what an amazing year Canario did. And, and I got to ask you, Rich, I always say I was shocked when he and Hap got the contract extension. I don't know if you were just because of the amount of talent in outfield that the Cubs seem to have, but I think people don't realize that Alex Canario is a bad, bad man.
0: <laughs> I, I'm in the same boat with you. I mean, I love Ian Hap, half a big Ian Hap fan as well, but, yeah, I, it kind of caught me by surprise because of the numbers of the yeah, Alexander Canardo, Pete Crow Armstrong, uh, Kevin Alcantara, you um, know, among others. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it, it was it was a little surprising. But I trust Jed and Carter to you know <laughs> make those calls. That's that's why they're making those decisions. And a fan is not a GM. But um, yeah, as far as uh, Alexander, um, yeah, the one day I was just out was, got out to the park earlier early before a game and saw some guys were out taking BP and um, like DJ artists. And I forgot who the other one might've might been like Tim Cisnera again. He's a, a catcher in the system. And there was another person out there and I wasn't sure who it was. And all of a sudden it was like, it dawned on me that it was Canario. And part of the reason it dawned on me was because he was hitting some absolute bombs, um, you know, way out of, the, out of the park.
2: And and I wonder, Rich, because he he had his injury was it in the Dominican League.
0: Yeah, it was. Uh, I can't remember which exactly but it was it was down in the Dominican or or. Uh, right, but
2: it, it, very similar to Ed Howard's injury that that I've thought, and and all of a sudden you just saw that horrible horrible collision. It was just so scary, and 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 you looked at it and you said to yourself, "I, I just wonder how much if, if that injury." doesn't take place okay because it he was he wasn't the dominican if that injury doesn't take place would that extension free and half come i mean I, maybe it was you know he's a leader he's a veteran and it's like a three-year deal it's not the end of the world but you, you know it's not like he's gonna be here for the next seven years but he had a fractured ankle mm-hmm. and a dislocated shoulder i mean but but somehow there he is on the field hitting bombs like you said
0: yeah i so I've seen him taking batting practice. I have not seen him running or like taking fly balls in the outfield or anything like that. So again, you know, I always try and be careful and not not make any kind of implications like, oh, he's gonna be back and you know, ready to <laughs> ready to be in game shape by, you know, in a week or two. Or, you know, sometimes people will see that and, and kind of jump to that conclusion. It's like it's basically steps in the process, you know. And but it's it's just good to see him on the field and you know taking taking really good swings. And again, you know, this is off a batting practice pitcher. Um, but uh, like I say the the injury has not sapped his power. I'll just say that because like I said, he was he was hitting some balls probably at least three eighty to four hundred feet um, in one of that practice fields.
2: Unbelievable! I just keep thinking if the wind's blowing out at Wrigley Field, what that kid could do. But So when these guys get injured, they come in and I'm sure, like I said, the medical guys do all their stuff. And and as you kind of mentioned, they kind of start slowly working, you know, with a coach and then eventually with groups and then eventually kind of getting back to it. And then do they always kind of go into the, um, the Arizona league as far as the next step, or do they usually get minor league assignments first?
0: Um I think it really depends. I mean, we do see a lot of guys um, that if they, if they come out here for, to do their rehab, that they might, you know, play some in the games. Um, but I, I think there's lots of variables involved, um, you know, as far as like, you know, what, what level do they need? How long were they out? You know, if it's a short injury, then they might just go back to their, you know, the, the team they're with. Um, if it's a more extended injury, then they might want him to get some you know get some at bats or a few innings in um you know an example i, I actually just tweeted it out uh earlier today um every time i see zach lee pitching i keep thinking okay that's gonna be the last time i'm gonna see zach Lee because they're gonna send him back to tennessee um because he's been out since the beginning of the year i think they just kind of want to do a slow ramp up with him um because he did pitch a lot of innings last year and then even pitched in the fall league so it's more than he had pitched before so i think this one to make sure they weren't overtaxing him, but uh, um, in fact, I was talking to his wife on Saturday during the game, and she said, "I don't expect to see you guys." And she goes, "We're just waiting to be told." And you know, it's a reminder that the the leaders of the team they make those decisions, and we don't always understand the, all the reasons for what they do, but I'm sure they have some.
2: And 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 like we said, there, there's games going on all the time in Arizona. So if anyone's out there, is it open to the public to be able to kind of go into Sloan Park and just watch?
0: Yeah, um, they they normally play Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, now they've transitioned to most of the day games. Um, the the weekdays um, start at 11, and the uh, Saturday games start at 10. And that is until, like, the last week of the season. Um, then they'll, they'll switch to night games in preparation before the Arizona Complex League starts. And then the Arizona Complex League starts, I want to say, June 4th or 5th. Um, and then that's primarily night games.
2: Well, it, it, it's it's always something fun going on in the desert. Rich, I appreciate you hopping on. Why don't you tell everybody where they can follow you on Twitter and Instagram?
0: Sure. Um, my handle on both Twitter and Instagram is uh, Beast B um, so I E S T twenty two. So I usually get out to the complex a couple times a week and usually try and share some of the photos that are coming along. So. Uh,
2: and I've Always seen your photos, it. like I said, and you're writing in Northside Bound, and I've seen your photos used by everybody and their brother, which is why you get the nice wa- watermark there because we got to do that, right? But, uh, yep. Rich, I appreciate talking to you. You know, I-, I hope to see you maybe out in Wrigley or, who knows, maybe across past the South Bend or some other fun location.
0: Hopefully. One of these, one of these times we're going to connect up in one of those spots, too.
2: All right, Rich, you take care, bud.
0: You too as well. Probably. Thanks.
2: Great job with the
1: interview, Crowley. This is the Fly, the W670 podcast, in season two. It's episode 36. We call it Cubs massacred in Minnesota because, unfortunately, that's exactly what happened. Cubs dropping two of three and the Twins scoring all kinds of runs, hitting eight home runs combined between Saturday and Sunday's two losses. Crowley, before we start previewing what's going to happen starting tonight in Houston, let's talk a little bit about some roster moves.
2: Yeah, before the game on Friday, our worst nightmares were realized when Nico Horner was placed on the 10-day IL. I, I, I kind of figured that that was going to happen. With those day-to-day ones, and he already missed three or four games, he might as well just let him rest it out a little bit. But uh, they called Miles Buani from AAA, which I know you were excited about. So not only was he able to play some outfield, he was also able to pitch some, and that went swimmingly um nico would You're be Now able- watching
1: the video i rolled my eyes in an effort that have got me another detention in junior high
2: <laughs> nico will be eligible to come off the il on may 19th on the start of the phillies series uh brandon hughes was also activated from the 15 day il he got some time this weekend he gave up a run and he had another good outing. he had a, another outing he came out and he looked better but javier assad was optioned to iowa I wouldn't be surprised that the next time we talk that we are talking about Javier Assad back up with the big club after the amount the bullpen was used. this Absolutely.
1: I, I hope we see that in during this Houston series, Crowley. Let's talk some uh, injury report news, some positive things coming out of the Iowa Cubs where Kyle Hendricks pitched on Sunday.
2: Yeah, he pitched on Sunday for the Iowa Cubs, and he went five innings pitch, six hits, two runs, four Ks, two walks. He threw 79 pitches, and a couple of those hits came at the end. But in his last two starts, he has a 1.80 ERA. So when we're looking at this here now, I think that we're looking really, really close at, at the possibility of Kyle Hendricks. You know, when you're talking 80 pitches, that, that that's pretty good, say, for like an April start, you know, and you hope to push him a little bit further as, as, as the, you know, season gets going. But for him, I mean, if he is not up in the Phillies series, I think there's a for sure a chance that Kyle Hendricks pitches against the Mets in uh, the 23rd through the 25th on that homestand.
1: Okay, that that would make sense to me. Yep, that would make that would make a lot of sense. Um, and, then, and at that point, we probably see uh, Hayden sent down. Right, we, he'd be the one that would get sent down in a corresponding move. All right. Before we preview Houston Crowley, we had a Sunday starter, Marcus Stroman in the news, according to our friend, Maddie Lee of the Sun-Times, Marcus Stroman talking extension with the Cubs.
2: Yeah. So Marcus Stroman has an opt out at the end of the year. It's a three-year contract with the opt out after the second year. And you know, he, he said, I've been open with the front office, been very vocal. I want to be here. I want an extension that I don't want to honestly make it to free agency, but I'm also confident in my abilities in free agency. I'll always bet on myself. And so he added that he truly loved everything about the organization, but someone who's going into year 10 in the big leagues, I value that. And I love going out in the buzz of Wrigley. Every time I go out to pitch every fifth day, the organization top down, how they handle the players, how they handle the families, how they operate. I love everything about it. So I would love to be a cub for honestly, the rest of my career and sign one more deal and be done. Um, what were your My thoughts? reaction,
1: Crowley, is I'm okay with that. And he, if it's kind of team friendly, like what happened with Ian Happ, who also laid his heart out there and said he wanted to be a Cub for forever, I just wonder if this is a reflection now of what's happened in the last couple of starts.
2: I think I think he does want to stay here. I think obviously Chicago's a big city and, and Marcus enjoys playing in that kind of market big city market. I think he um, he's an entrepreneur and he's doing a lot of things within the city. And I think Chicago fits him well. The fans love him. Every time he comes out, he gets the bleachers all pumped up. I truly see that, but I don't think Marcus is the kind of guy that's doing any hometown discount for anyone, especially when you talk about his age. When you talk about his age as well, this is this is his last contract that he's going to be going for, at least as far as a big contract.
1: All right, Crowley. Let's talk about the Astros, the defending world champions who are just in Chicago, took two or three from the White Sox, and now starting tonight down in Houston, uh, the Cubs are down there and uh, – Let's look at their roster a little bit, talk about some key additions, some key losses for that team.
2: Yep. As you know, last season, the Astros were the best team in baseball going 106 and 56 and winning the world series for old dusty Baker, my nemesis. I did not want him to win it, but he did. Uh, The Cubs did not play the twins last season. In fact, because of all the COVID and everything that happened, the last time they played the Astros was 2019 when the Cubs lost two of three against the Astros in Houston. Used to be, you remember, Dustin, they used to play the Astros a lot when they were in the NL Central, so it's weird to not really see them play. I mean, for me, it was weird to see that they hadn't played since 2019.
1: Yeah, it's a little bit surprising. You forget about how much things shifted during those uh, COVID years. Obviously, one of the big additions was the former first baseman DH for the White Sox, Jose Abreu, now down in Houston.
2: Yeah, they, had, they, they got Jose Abreu, and and, and oh, he's a traditionally slow starter. You, uh, they picked up right-handed pitcher Rafael Montero, and then Michael Brantley always a great player. They did lose Justin Verlander, but I don't know how much of a loss that is if you see what's been going on in New York. Uh, Christian Vasquez, he played with the Twins. We just saw him. He remember he was – you know, we both wanted Vasquez and Abreu we were talking about back in the day uh, in free agency, but uh, Vasquez and Abreu went to – um, Vasquez went to Minnesota, so they lost him. Almedis diaz and Trey Mancini, who's now with the Cubs. And they also extended Christian Javier, which was big for them. So remember Mancini, Vasquez, those were all trade deadline guys for the, um, that the Astros picked up and then didn't re-sign at the, at the beginning of free agency.
1: Right. And then um, let's get into the standings a little bit right now. The Cubs have dropped two or three from the Twins. Astros took two or three from the White Sox. So one's heading one way, one's heading the other way. Tonight's uh, pitching matchup, Jamison Tyone, Still winless as a cub, and he's taking on Framber Valdez. You're looking at the. Uh, go ahead, Crawley. Let's let him see the uh, standings really quick.
2: Yep, just looking at it right now. The Brewers are in first place, 23 and 17. They're five and five, so they're starting to pick it up a little bit. Um, they're not in the free fall. Uh, Pittsburgh's still free falling. They're two and eight in their last ten, and in second place at 22 and 19. And then the Cubs still underneath 500 now, 19 and 21. They're four games back. They're not out of it, but uh, St. Louis is starting to pick it up as well. They're, on the,
1: come. Yep, they're on the come, the Cardinals. Yep.
2: That's, that's the thing that frustrates the heck out of me is because you had them where you wanted them. You could have buried the Cardinals at Wrigley Field dead and gone, and you let them off the mat, and, and that's all St. Louis needs to kind of get going. Although I don't know if you saw in the news, uh Wilson Contreras apparently behind the plate tonight. Uh, that and didn't they, last long. No. And then, uh, you know, the same thing with Minnesota. Their offense couldn't do anything. And then Chicago comes up there and it's just with the doctor order. They're hitting home runs like it's going out of style.
1: Right. So Jamison Tayo and tonight Crowley going for his first win as a Cub. He's 0 2, 6.41 ERA. Spacing Framber Valdez. Records not so great, but the ERA pretty good at 2.38.
2: Yep, Tyone's been struggling since he came back from injury. His last couple starts not been good against St. Louis. He went 2.2, and he gave up four runs against Washington. He went three innings and gave up three runs. And what these short starts are doing are absolutely decimating the bullpen. I would not be shocked to see Estrada and Assad back tonight and some corresponding moves, who knows what. But just the way that this has been happening, they're, they're going to have to do something because these short starts are killing the Cubs. You know, you get you get his short starts, and then if someone gets rocked like Strowman did the other day, now you're really in some trouble with the bullpen.
1: Absolutely. All right, so that's what we've got for game number one. We've got that left-handed pitcher up there, so I'm guessing Matt Mervis is not going to be seeing any playing time, at least in the
2: starting lineup. Justin Steele, right, Justin <laughs> Steele right, Steel in game two. Right, but still, when, when you look at Framber Valdez, man, that guy uh-huh. – you know, he, he's someone that's really starting to pick it up as of late. He had a really good start the other day against the Angels on the ninth, uh, eight innings. He went, gave up three hits and one run. And against San Francisco on five, three, six innings, five hits, two runs. So, you know, you you look at this lineup right now and you kind of, you just, I don't know. I, I'm hoping that somehow Tyone finds it. When you look at Valdez, the Cubs don't have a lot of, not a lot of guys have seen him too much. And when you look at the other way around, as far as Tyone, Jose Abreu's seen him 11 times and hits 273 against him. Jordan Alvarez has six at bats, 333, and Bregman, Alex Bregman, six at bats, 333. So not a ton, not a ton, big sample size when you get these AL matchups, you know.
1: No, not much to judge by. That's for sure. And yeah, Framber Valdez, that guy's really really tough. I was hoping the Cubs were not going to go in there limping in like they are because this guy is uh, this guy can wear an offense out.
2: Well, like you talk about in game two, at least the Cubs have their stopper going on. Yes, and sir. Justin Steele, uh, I don't want to say anything because we. I think maybe we jinxed Strowman last start. <laughs>
1: when you Now, Steele's a Texas boy, right? Steele's a Texas boy?
2: Um, does he, no, he's from Mississippi. Oh, he's a Mississippi guy. Right, he's from Lucidale, Mississippi that tiny little town and, 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 and Justin Steele just does nothing but keep rolling versus St. Louis. He went six innings, give up three runs for that. Miami seven innings, one run. And then Miami again, seven innings two run or six innings, two runs. So you, you can't ask much more from Justin Steele. And so he's your, he's your stopper, man. I mean, he's, he's the one that when you get into these kind of, you know, tough stretches, he's the one that, you know, you can hopefully feel confident um, went taken to the mound. Now, Christian Javier, he's a righty on this one here. Against the Angels, he went six innings, gave up two runs. Against Seattle, seven innings, he gave up three runs. Uh, he was, got no decision on that. And then on 429 against Philly, he went uh 5.2 and gave up three runs. So just kind of looking at this situation right here, it's nobody on the Astros has really seen Justin Steele at all. Um, Their, their second baseman and has three at-bats against him, and that is it. Mauricio Dubon, everyone else, no one else has seen Justin Steele. Against Javier, the Cubs all have basically a few. Bellinger, Gomes, Mancini, Buani, and Swanson have all seen him once. Um, You know, 0 for 3, 0 for 2, 0 for 2, 0 for 2. So nobody did really well against him, but, you know, only seen him one time. So basically both teams are going to – there's going to be a feeling out process when it comes to – uh, this pitching matchup right here on on Tuesday night.
1: Yeah, looking forward to that one for sure. Hopefully, uh, Justin Steele can continue the really, really good quality work he's been doing. And then we've got uh, Mister Consistency, right? Game three, we've got Drew Smiley in the uh, the last game in Houston.
2: Yep, Drew Smiley doing doing you know, like you said, Mister Consistency. It, it it in and the good thing about him is he just keeps kind of taking the ball and 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 getting you deep into games. Um, other than that game against Miami, which didn't turn out so great, but six innings pitched, he gave up two runs in Minnesota. That Miami game was 3.1. Uh, he gave up two earned runs. Now I, I was at that game, and he, he he struggled, but he at least grinded through 3.1. Could have been way worse. And against Washington, he went seven innings and gave up one run. So you know you're you're looking good with Smiley. Um, I'm I'm hoping that he can he can. Continue, you know, he just gives the Cubs a chance every game that he pitches in. And I think having a guy like that's important. Um, JP France, uh, interesting cat here right here. You know, (laughs) um, if you ever take a look at his, he's he's not somebody that's had a lot of starts so far. So he started two games right now. So not a huge sample size up on him. He pitched against Seattle. He went five innings game, gave up zero runs and against the White Sox. He got his win, his first of the season. Six point two innings, three hits, one earned run, and one walk. So just looking at that right now, I mean, he, you know, he's only pitched eleven innings so far, so he's got a .77 ERA. So we'll we'll kind of see what happens uh, with JP France. He was, you know, called up on May six, so from the minor league, So I don't know too much about him. So I never like that when the Cub, like I said, when when you got a young guy like that who. Just coming up. That sometimes I don't. Know, I don't have a lot of confidence in this Cubs offense right now. To be honest with you.
1: No, right now it's understandable. It's uh, let's move into let's move into who's hot and who's not. I I know who's not. It's kind of interesting who is, arguably hot.
2: I will say one thing before we move on from that matchup, really quick. Obviously, no one's seen France, but Jose Abreu hit an 11 at bats has a 545 average against Drew Smiley and Alex Bregman. Has a three thirty three and nine at bat. So the only two guys that have seen Smiley. So you may want to be careful around Abreu and and Bregman.
1: So if you're doing a little same game parlay on that game, you want to have Bregman and Abreu getting bases, I guess, is what you're telling me, Crowley.
2: That's what I'm looking at right now. That that's (laughs) it's. Are you uh, you going to
1: use one of those guys in your beat the streak?
2: I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm looking at that. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling right now. I'm just as bad as the Cubs offense with my offensive beat the street picks, but hopefully I'll get back on it.
1: All right. So which which Cubs are hot right now, Crowley, and which ones are not?
2: Hot, hot, hot. Chris Morrell right now. 21 at bats. He's got eight hits. He's got three home runs, six RBIs for a 381 average, 381 OPP, and an 857 slugging. So you don't get much hotter than that. And real then, quick,
1: I want to I want to cut you off real quick. Let's talk about this. What do you do this week with Morell? So tonight, where where does manager manager Crowley? Where is
2: he hitting and where is he?
1: Um, Where's he on the field?
2: I would, uh, man. Uh, you know he has to either play with Nico out. I'm sure he's either going to play third or second.
1: I, well, I know that, but I'm saying where is Crowley playing? I mean, what what? How would you craft? How would you craft I would, tonight's wisdom? Do you have wisdom? wisdom DH tonight because you don't want to have Matt Mervis in? Is this is, is this the night to have Eric Hosmer playing? Who's playing first base tonight? Is wisdom playing for I just think tonight gets really interesting with the uh, with the lineup? And right now, I don't see how you can have Mervis sit on the bench. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't see how you can see Christopher Morrell sit on the bench.
2: I would, if it was me personally, I would have Morell at third. I would have uh, Wisdom as a DH, or no, I'd put, I'd, God, I'd put Wisdom at first. Have Mancini DH go some, some route, somewhere around that route.
1: Okay. All right. Sorry. Sorry to put you on the spot there. All right. Who's not? And uh, your your candidate here, boy, he is. Well- Wait, wait, like, wait! wait, wait you, can't, you
2: can't, you can't skip. Say a Suzuki is hot, man. I mean, I mean, is he hot?
1: I, I gotta, I gotta disagree with you there. Is he hot? It's more like about damn time. Because he hit a home run and a meaningless, a meaningless home run? He got a sacrifice fly. He's hot.
2: He's got sixteen at bats, five hits, three doubles. He's, maybe he's
1: smoldering. I don't know about hot. Three doubles, one home
2: from. run, three RBIs. He's you know 313, 455, five, six eighty eight slug. That's pretty darn good. Well, let's, let's, see Let, let's
1: see it keep going. Let's see it keep going.
2: Little,
1: okay, little, uh, he's smoldering. To me, he's smoldering.
2: And then when we go to the knots, you're looking at Cody Bellinger. He is struggling, ladies and gentlemen. One of his last 17. I was
1: wondering if he was
2: playing. And he's hitting .059, .150, .059. And guys, this is where, if, if you remember, I think people just got to kind of slow, slow their roll when, when guys do good and getting ready. Everyone was about ready to give Cody Bellinger a five-year extension.
1: Yeah, uh, a hundred million dollar price tag.
2: Yeah, I mean, right. Can, can everyone just slow the baseball is a game and I know nobody likes to hear it. And that's not the way things go this day, but it's, it's not based on small sample sizes. You just don't do I mean, that's just not how you operate. And, and I thought that the extension talk was silly, to be honest with you, because, you know, a guy just had a, a hot streak. That, that's ridiculous. So Matt yeah. Mervis, I am mean,
1: I, I one of those guys, Crowley. I, I talk about this, you know, five days a week on the Mully and Haw show, two days a week with you happy to be doing it. So I do live in the, in the right now in the present.
2: Right. But then you would have been furious if he signed a big contract and now you got to, you, you're watching this guy for five years. Oh, absolutely, right. yep. you know. yep. has, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. And I just hope he snaps out of it. And, and, but just, um With all the outfielders, I have no, I have no desire to see Cody Bellinger on the team next year. And all I want him to do is just get hot around July and August, and then, and then be able to get a good return for him. Or I'm sorry, in, in June or July. That that's yep, my goal. I'm with,
1: you there. I'm with you there. I think that's the way to be.
2: Now, when you take a look at the hot, hot, hot for the Astros. You're looking at Jordan Alvarez, left fielder. He's eight for his last 23. He's got uh, two doubles, two home runs, six RBIs, uh, slashing 348, 400, and So pretty impressive on that one right there. Also, I mentioned Mauricio Dubon earlier, um, six for his last 19 with two RBIs, slashing 316, 350, 368. So he's not crushing the ball, but he's one of those guys that's going to get on base and cause problems. and Jeremy Pena, same situation, almost identical numbers. So watch out for those guys. As far as not, and I hate to say it, Dustin, because we got Carlos Correa cooking last time. Yeah. Uh, Jose Abreu, three for his last 20, 150, 190, 200. No home runs, one double. So uh, you know that in his time with the south side, Abreu, you love, 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 love to feast on Cubs pitching. I remember one time he did a number on John Lester, ooh, but uh, that was yeah, many, he had many some years great ago. stats against the Cubs over the years, especially at Wrigley Field. Yeah, that was many, many years ago. So let, let's let let's see what happens. And hopefully we can, uh, you know, get, you know, he's not the same guy older. Hopefully the Cubs can get to him. But I always get nervous when Jose he's taking at bats against the Cubs.
1: All right, Crowley, prediction time. we got to boost the energy here, buddy. You seem really down, like the Cubs really have taken all the air out of you, my friend. I'm going to let you go
2: first this time. What are, you, what are you thinking? I got the Cubs taking one out of three. I got them taking the steel start.
1: Yeah, and this is one of those. We had too many of these in season one, Crowley, where I would say, just don't get swept. This is the first time this year I'm going to say, just don't get swept, and I'm with you. The Justin Steele game is the game that I am uh, most confident in, so... Crowley's got them going one out of three. I've got them going one out of three. That's a wrap. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and most importantly, keep subscribing to the Fly the W podcast. Follow the socials, Fly the W on Facebook, on Instagram. You can email us, flythew670gmail.com, and continue to watch us. We thank the YouTube watchers by subscribing to the 670 The Score YouTube channel. That's a wrap, Crowley. Have a great rest of your week, and uh, hopefully by the time we get together on Thursday or Friday, the Cubs are uh, – not limping to their next destination which i believe is philadelphia
2: it is philadelphia and one one good note last time facing dusty baker so go cubs it's all over